Howdy, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Fireblocks. Love, love, love this company. You'll be hearing all about them later from me later in the episode. But now, on with the show. It's hard for people to shift from a bull market mindset to a bear market mindset because in a bull market, you know, you just learn to buy the dip and and it, it historically works out. But in bear markets, it, it doesn't. Welcome back to another episode of On The Margin. I am joined by Mr. Benjamin Cohen of uh, Into The Cryptiverse. Ben, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're talking at a pretty different regime than we were at the last time that we chatted. Uh, things have certainly changed out there in the markets a little bit. Um, you know, I guess I'd love to just start really high level and kind of get your thoughts uh, on where we are. You know, I think you do a really good job in your videos of kind of, instead of our kind of reptilian brains say, oh, everything's all bad or everything's all good. I think you do a really good job of saying, here are the different scenarios that could kind of play out, right, as we move into the future. Um, that being said, I know you've recently have kind of uh, tilted a little bit more bearish recently in your videos. So why don't you give us your like 10,000 foot view? Like, where do you think we are right now? Uh, you know, what are the different kind of options that we could see play out over the coming you know, six to 12 months. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I, I've been harping on for a while on my channel is that the bears are out in full force, as you as you made mention to the uh, many bearish videos. And, um, but but really, I, I've also spoken a lot about, about the Bitcoin dominance. And I think the Bitcoin dominance goes a long way in helping us understand where we are, just by understanding where the Bitcoin dominance is. And the reason I say that is because we know that Bitcoin controls the asset class. I mean, it's historically controlled it. Altcoins do well after Bitcoin does. They also perform a lot worse than Bitcoin when Bitcoin is in a bear market. And I, I think that most people at this point would be at least willing to admit it's a bear market. I know some people are sort of holding on hope, um, but it, it, if it's a bull market, it's a pretty, pretty interesting one uh, for sure. So when thinking about, say, the Bitcoin dominance, we need to understand what causes it to go up, what causes it to go down. And one of the main things that we've learned from, from Bitcoin dominance in the past is that upon a lower low by Bitcoin, like we saw back in 2018, if you remember, Bitcoin was putting in higher lows over here. Then after that, we got rejected by the 200-day moving average. Um, let me just pull that up so so everyone everyone can see it. But we got we actually got rejected by the by the 200-day SMA, and following you know following that rejection, it it basically led us into our first lower low. And, and this is basically what happened back in in 2018. So maybe I can make that line a little bit more um, bright so everyone can see it. Okay, there we go. So you can see in 2018 we had a very similar pattern, right? A low higher low, a rejection off the 200-day, a failed attempt to put in a higher low, and then the lower low came. Now, the key thing to, to, to note about this is that the lower low came in June of 2018. And that's where the Bitcoin dominance went up. Okay, so June 2018 is where the, is where the, is where the lower low came. So arguably at that point, for the people who hadn't already lost confidence in the altcoin market, they were about to, because what happened Following this, you go look at the Bitcoin dominance. I mean, it's it's playing out like the exact same story. In June of 2018, the dominance was at 42%, which is where we were right before the lower low happened. Now that the lower low is in, you can see the dominance has finally broken out. So that the Bitcoin dominance has finally broken out to the upside upon the first lower low by Bitcoin. And furthermore, what we notice 
by this chart is you might be led to believe that the price of Bitcoin was doing something crazy during this time when the dominance was going up. It went up from 40% to over 60% within three or four months, a relatively quick move by the Bitcoin dominance. Think about all the pain that's being felt in the altcoin market right now. We've only moved up from 40% to 45%. Like we're not even at 50%, much less 60%. So when we look at what's going on today with respect to the Bitcoin dominance, it's in that uptrend, right? It's in, it looks like it's in that initial breakout. We put in a low, we put in a higher low, and the Bitcoin dominance is heading higher. What you go, what you notice, if you go back over to this chart, we're doing the same exact thing, right? We put in a low, a higher low, and then ultimately we got rejected off the 200-day moving average. Upon the rejection, we put in a lower low, okay? And this is exactly when the Bitcoin dominance finally started to go up, right? Finally, in May of 2022, the dominance finally started to go higher. There's actually a lot of similarities between now and 2018. If you think about it, 20, 2018, uh, we had the peak in December of 2017, and, and therefore the lower low did not come until June. But here the peak was in November, and now the, the first lower low came in May. So it, it's almost like everything is just accelerated by one month in, 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 in the current bear market, okay? Um, that is probably the best area that I could say we currently are is that we're just one month ahead of where we were in 2018 in terms of in terms of a timeline. But the interesting thing to note with respect back to the Bitcoin dominance is that Bitcoin dominance went up a lot, but Bitcoin didn't do anything during that time. I mean, look at look at the price action of Bitcoin while the Bitcoin dominance was going up. Bitcoin was in fact going sideways. So the point, you know, the point to all of this right now is that with with Bitcoin in this current, you know, in, in the current predicament that it's in, putting in a lower low, the argument is that it doesn't matter if Bitcoin goes up, if Bitcoin goes down, or if Bitcoin simply just goes sideways, there's a good chance that the Bitcoin dominance is going to go a lot higher and therefore protecting yourself uh, and, and being, you know, more into Bitcoin um, over, say, altcoins, uh, I think is, is what this market is, is really calling for. All right, guys, so I just want to clarify for those in the audience, uh, you know, when Ben's talking about Bitcoin dominance, I'm assuming what mo that most of you know what that metric is, but just in case you don't, Bitcoin dominance just refers to the relative market share, the market cap that Bitcoin has relative to the entire crypto market. So to use really round numbers, if Bitcoin has a $500 billion market cap and the entire market cap of crypto is $1 trillion, then we'd be at 50% Bitcoin dominance. And I think the important part to pull away here is that that's a relative measure, right? So when we talk about Bitcoin dominance going up, that doesn't necessarily mean that Bitcoin is going up. It could be trading sideways or Ben, I think, as you said, it even could be going down. But as long as the relative amount of Bitcoin's market cap to the rest of crypto is growing up, um, then then the Bitcoin dominance will go up. So my takeaway from what you're saying, and I've heard you, I've seen you tweet, friends don't let friends buy altcoins during crypto bear markets. So basically, my takeaway from what we're looking at here is that we should expect more pain, right? All else being equal in the altcoin part of the crypto market. Is that the right takeaway from what we're talking about? Yes, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, and and I, I should note that what I'm mainly referring to is the Bitcoin valuations of those altcoins. So the USD valuations are clearly just tied to whatever direction Bitcoin heads. Like if Bitcoin, I mean, even in 2018, after putting in a lower low, Bitcoin then pumped back up to the 200-day moving average, right? Which was a fairly nice pump from, you know, like 
$5,000, $6,000, all the way back up to $8,000. So if we saw some type of a similar pump today, I'm sure it would get everyone excited again and everyone would start thinking like, okay, the bull market's back on, right? Like we're, we're going back up. But, but remember, you know, during that phase, altcoins could do well during, uh, against the US dollar. But the, the thesis is that it doesn't matter. The lower low is in, the market cycle, the structure of the market has been broken, and therefore alts are likely going to bleed against Bitcoin. If you pull up almost any, any Bit, uh, alt Bitcoin chart, like whether it be uh, Ether Bitcoin, you know, whatever altcoin you want to look at with regards to against its Bitcoin valuation, all of them, for the most part, like probably 99.9% .9 of them are all in downtrends right now. So one of the one of the secrets to crypto that I kind of learned a while back, it's not really a secret anymore. I mean, I, I preach about this all the time on my channel, right? But it's that you could still have exposure to the crypto asset class through Bitcoin. And then assuming the Bitcoin dominance actually goes up, even if Bitcoin USD goes down, you might actually be able to purchase more altcoins later on just because they've gone down against Bitcoin by holding it more so in, in Bitcoin. I mean, again, look, there's no sure things in these markets. Anything can happen. But I, I think given given the macroeconomic outlook, right, given our lower low, given the fact that all Bitcoin valuations are already in a downtrend and the momentum is looking like it's just going to keep taking them down, uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really make for the best conditions uh, for the altcoin market. So the argument is that in order for altcoins to do well again, Bitcoin needs to be healthy and, and Bitcoin's not going to get healthy, um, at, at least in a sustainable, at least in a sustainable way for, uh, I mean, probably months to come. Yeah. And maybe, you know, one of the things uh, you know, I like so much about your analysis is that it's there's so much rigor behind it, right? And we're looking at uh, a lot of good charts. You've got a lot of really great frameworks. I mean, maybe just to make one consistent theme of this interview to like, provide some anecdotal support and evidence to kind of make some of these numbers jump off the page. Like what I'm kind of seeing out there, both in terms of sentiment on crypto Twitter, we just had our permissionless conference with like 7,500 people in Palm Beach this last weekend, really uh, kind of backs up what we're looking at here, just weakness in the altcoin market in general. You're kind of seeing this everything from like prominent uh, voices in crypto. Like, I don't know if you saw Hasu's tweet today about super bearish on DAO governance, right? Things that, you know, six months ago, DAOs were the future and all the human capital was getting there and all the money and all the smart people. And now it's like, DAOs don't work, you know, uh, across the board. So you're kind of starting to see some of those like turns in sentiment. And even what we're describing now, right, which sounds very logical and rational in a bear market, you want to own more Bitcoin. Um, Alts will bleed against Bitcoin. That will allow you to accumulate more. You know, six months ago, 12 months ago, the narrative was, why would you ever own Bitcoin? Because basically, you know, just in a bull market, they'll always return more and Bitcoin dominance is trending down. It's just funny to see how these things turn. For right, sure. And, and, and to be completely honest, I, I actually thought the Bitcoin dominance was going to go higher sooner. Like I, I've been mm. um, thinking it was going to go higher since Q4. And mm -hmm. I mean, it hasn't done anything. At least it didn't go lower, um, because I've been <laughs> I've been actively trying to get Bitcoin, you know, heavier Bitcoin for a long time, and and cash for that matter. I mean, I, cash is king in bear markets. I mean, I know in the crypto community, uh, you know, a lot of people like to think that, that cash is trash, but unfortunately, during during bear markets, cash is king, and it actually gives you so much power uh, at the bottom of bear markets. Because what gives you power at the bottom of bear market? Is it is it the cash you saved up or is it the altcoins you watch bleed 95%, you know? Um, so I, I think we have to we have to always remember that these are these things are cyclical, right? And and as you said, six months ago, you know, DAOs and, and all and all sorts of things, right? I mean all DeFi layer one, everything, NFTs, everything was blowing up. Everything was just crazy and everyone loved it. And and then when you get to the bear market, the sentiment changes. 
And, and that's why it's hard for people to shift from a bull market mindset to a bear market mindset, because in a bull market, you know, you just learn to buy the dip and, and it, it historically works out. But in bear markets, it, it doesn't. And, and that's the, the biggest danger I see in, in Bitcoin bear markets are that people just throw all of their cash into altcoins um, because they, they just they will refuse to buy Bitcoin because since they joined, the only thing they've seen Bitcoin do is basically go sideways. If you think about it, it takes a Bitcoin bull market to bring people to the space. So a lot of people, a lot of new crypto investors didn't even get invested in Bitcoin until or invested into crypto until Bitcoin had already made its run. So they're probably thinking, well, why would you hold Bitcoin? It, you know, it doesn't it hasn't done anything. We're at the phase of the cycle right now, I think, where 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 Bitcoin maxis are born. Because what happens is is they throw all of their money into altcoins. They get absolutely wrecked on them. Eventually, they just go to Bitcoin, and then they see Bitcoin go on a parabolic rally, um, and they sort of write off altcoins. But then we know the cycle will continue, and then altcoins will, will generally rally after Bitcoin does. So it's a brutal cycle. Right now, we're in the cycle where um, part of the cycle where you know altcoins are just getting wrecked by Bitcoin more or less week in and week out. And and once that that that'll probably play out for a while. Uh, Bitcoin will probably go on a you know on a on a nice little bull run at some point, in which case it'll continue to shake out. Um, all Bitcoin pairs, and then eventually altcoins will, will finally move higher again. Ben, I want to do some uh, some exercises in probabilistic thinking with you here. So I want to start in the most bearish kind of case, just to extend what we've been talking about thus far. So I'll just ask you kind of the question, like if we're looking forward and we're being pessimistic, what's the worst that it can get from here? And maybe if we could talk about it almost from like a total market size standpoint for all of crypto, and then maybe we get more Bitcoin specific as well. Basically, with regards to the entire asset class, I, I use this trend line here. The, the red line is the what I call the fair value of the entire cryptocurrency asset class. And according to this, we're currently undervalued by 24%. However, market cycle bottoms do not tend to occur until we're undervalued by 60% or so. Okay. What you notice is that we're currently sitting at a market cap of approximately 1.3 trillion, right? 1.3 trillion. The, the lower bound on this, on this band that we've historically held is currently sitting at around between 500 to 600 billion, okay? So what that means is that we could, in fact, have another 50% drop, right? I mean, it is possible. I know, I know a lot of people don't like to think that it's possible, but if history is any indication, at least, it is possible. And, and there are some similarities that we, you know, I, I've shown before Crypto peaked at three trillion, right? Tech stocks, the dot com bubble basically peaked at three three trillion. We had the dot com bowl, we had the crypto bowl. You know, it's like it, there's a lot of similarities <laughs> right. be between these things. The 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 Nasdaq in in 2000 and over the next year or so, it dropped approximately 83 percent. And you know, I mean, if if you go over if you go over to um to 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 the total market caps, let me just pull that up. If we if we if we look at where we are today or where we were at the top, I mean, and go down 83 percent, you know, that would put us at, at right around 500 billion. So my worst case for the asset class as a whole is is a 500 billion dollar market cap. This would be my like my my worst case. Um, I know there are a lot more. There are a lot of people out there that actually are are a lot more bearish than that and and think it's going to go lower. For me. It's different for everyone, right? But for me, I would I would feel a lot of conviction in in 
in the asset class at that point, like where I would actually really want to start deploying a lot more of my of my uh, capital to to crypto if it were to get that low. Again, if it is going to get that low, it, it would probably take months for it to get there. You know, these things, you're not just going to see a red candle that <laughs> just takes us all the way down there um, in, in one week or one month or anything like that. But it is it is something to consider that the, if the NASDAQ is is a, you know, it has told the story before, if we are destined to repeat what what prior investors had to, had to learn the hard way, then that's where we could ultimately go. But one thing to remember with that, if we go to 500 billion, um, you have to remember that the, the Bitcoin dominance, my opinion, would be over over 50%. I mean, I, I think in that scenario, you're probably looking at like a 60% Bitcoin dominance or, or somewhere around there. So while the asset class as a whole, I think, could drop you know, 60% or something. I don't know that I don't know that I would think Bitcoin would necessarily drop another 60% if that makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about just the speed of descent here, right, as well? And, you know, because you, you brought up the example of the dot-com bluff. Obviously, there were, there were periods where it felt very precipitous in the decline, but that took about, what, like two, two and a half years, right, to bleed out, I think, before we started to see a return. Um, I'd be curious, like, if you have any thoughts about just how how deep and how long, I suppose, this bear market could get? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting question. And I've, I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about this because there's a lot of caveats to the to, to, to that answer. If you look at the mm. NASDAQ, you can see that it, it peaked in April and then it, it came all the way back up in August before really starting its descent. And so you could argue that the bear market for the NASDAQ potentially started, let's actually call it March. Looks like it was March. So March, I was not an investor uh, back then. I was only 10 years old, so I didn't, I didn't actually, I don't have firsthand experience. Um, but if we if we were to take a measured move here, uh, and, and maybe I'll switch this over to a monthly time frame so we can, we can quickly just count. Um, this one took, I mean, this one took 31 months, right? At least for the, at least to bottom on, on the Heikinashi candles. This was a long bear market, right? A long bear market, maybe, maybe about 30, yeah, 30 to 31 months. I don't think that it's going to take crypto 31 months to hit a bottom. Historical bear markets for, for, for Bitcoin have tended to last around a year. Um, you know, like if you think if you think December 2017 and then the bottom occurred a year later, if you go back to November 2013, the bottom was a year later. Uh, and then if you go back to 2011, you know, there is there is a bottom uh, for Bitcoin not you know about about the same amount of time later so when i when i look at at this entire uh entire market one thing to consider and i know this is not something that everyone would agree with and i'm not like i'm not trying to convince you it's just something that you should note is there are a lot of metrics that say that this was the top right like that the top was actually back in april of 2021 and that somehow we had a bounce back up to a new all-time high. The NASDAQ also had a bounce, but it didn't put in a new all-time high back then. So if you were to believe that and say the, the bear market really started in April of 2021, you know, it, we've already been in this for over a year, okay? And as far as I can tell, every single metric, more, than, more or less, other than like, here's, the, here's the, the, the relative strength index, you can see it peaked in early 2021, not in, in late 2021. Every single metric that I follow, every single one, showed the peak was in April, not in not in November. Okay. And I think we kind of felt that. I mean, that was where the mania phase was. That was where the parabolic rally was for Bitcoin. This was basically just going to the same price we had already we had already been to. So if you buy that, you could argue we've already been in this for a year um, or even at this point, 13 months. 
could it last? I, I, I certainly think it, it could last for another three to six months. Okay, this is, you know, once once people finally realize it's a bear market, um, it doesn't, you know, the, the bear market doesn't usually immediately end, right? Um, and and if you think back to to 2018, and and we take lessons from there, upon the first lower low, we still had several months before the bottom actually came in, right? It's still several months. There's actually a lot of ways you can break this down, and I'm I'm just going to quickly fire off like three or four different things to to show you a lot of confluence. So we have our this is what I call the bull market support band. This is the 20 week SMA and the 21 week EMA. We know that Bitcoin likes to hold support on it in a bull market. Um, but we also have this thing that I like to use, which is the logarithmic regression bands for, for Bitcoin. And what you notice if you zoom out on this and you hide the price, let's just say the price is noise and doesn't matter. What you notice is that we did not, the, the, the 20 week SMA did not start trending higher again until it made its way back to the fit, like the, the lower bound regression band, right? So it went down until that point. Again, in 2018, it went down until that point. Then here again, I think it's gonna keep going down until we reach you know, what, what I would consider to be a more fair value for the price of Bitcoin that's only fit to data that's not deemed to be like part of a bubble phase or a mania phase. So I would argue that by looking at the chart like this, you can clearly see that there is more potential downside to come, right? I mean, just sort of looking at it and saying, if you don't have a, if you don't have any bias on it, I mean, it seems like the more likely direction for this is to ultimately get back into the fair value band. It just seems like it's, it's ultimately a matter of time. Another thing to consider too is, you know, when you look at a lot of different moving averages and whatnot, you know, historically, whenever we go to say like the 50 week SMA, it's only a matter of time before we eventually make it to say like the 200 week, right? And the 200 week, is all the way down at around $22,000. And historically, that is where, where Bitcoin has found major bottoms. I'm not entirely convinced that's where, where a market cycle bottom is going to be, just because, I mean, it's not that much lower than where we currently are. Um, so I do wanna be careful about calling it a market cycle bottom, but I will say that if we get to the 200 week SMA, we probably would see a significant bounce at those levels. It's always happened for Bitcoin. We get nice bounces off the 200 week moving average and we are getting relatively close to it. So. You know, you, you look at a lot of these things. When we go below some of these moving averages, it's usually just a matter of time before we capitulate. We also like to see the bull market support band going back down to the fair value regression band. And then furthermore, beyond just the, the bull market support band, just going, the, the price going back down to these lower valuations, this is where the accumulation phase is for Bitcoin, right? It's not usually in the, in the move down. For, especially for for altcoins, and and this is something that I think a lot of people misunderstand, and and sort of uh, they they don't understand what I'm saying. I'm known for saying this like quote. I say bull markets make you money, bear markets make you rich, and uh, this is not me. I mean, like plenty of people have said this before me. Like I'm not I'm not taking credit for this quote. Like this has been said by tons of people, but I, I say it a lot on my channel, and a lot of people then assume that that means you have to throw all your money into altcoins the minute we're in a bear market. But remember. Bear markets don't make you rich in crypto because you're throwing all your money into altcoins during the bear market. I think they make you rich because it leads to lower valuations of all these different projects that you like, and you can actually buy them for fractions of what they were selling for maybe a year before. So the reason bear markets make you rich in crypto is because they lead to much lower valuations, and then you enter an accumulation phase like we historically have done, and then you have plenty of time to accumulate for theoretically the next bull run. Yeah. I guess you know my question for you uh, is... 
you, you use that word capitulation, right? We've seen a lot of things, uh, you know, so far uh, that would lead a lot of bad news, right? We obviously we just had UST blow up uh, this past week. Uh, everything seems to be down only, uh, but we haven't seen that kind of, um, you know, Arthur Hayes had some great phrase in one of his writings, like that that puke, desperation, kind of fear-induced uh, sort of candle. If anything, there's almost been almost like this very like efficient, orderly selling, right? Where price discovery is starting to to take to take place again. But I just haven't felt that kind of like panic in the market. So like, I, I know you talk a lot about volume when it comes to spotting capitulation, like walk us through, like, how are you going to spot that? You know, sometimes it's unwise to try to spot it, but like, what are some some signals or indicators that you'll be looking at to spot, okay, this feels like a bottom? So yeah, it, it sort of feels like we saw some of that volume with what happened with Luna the other day, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, historically, what happens in a bear market is you see declining volume into a wall of volume. Mm. Okay. Even in, 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 in the 2019 bear market, wall, uh, declining volume um, into a wall of volume. This was the, the pandemic drop. Even in March or in May of 2021, right, you saw declining volume into a wall. And arguably, we hit a wall, you know. And I mean, I, I don't really consider, I mean, I don't think people consider, you know, May 2021 or the summer of 2021 to be some like major bottom for crypto. I mean, it was sort of like an intermediate local bottom, at least. Um, so, you know, I look at this and I, I think there is a chance Bitcoin bounces here, right? And, and, um, and, and goes back to, you know, to the upper 30s or even 40K. Remember, even, even in 2018, we had bounces, Right. We had bounces even in 2018. So let's not forget that you, you can still get bounces in bear markets. And I'm looking I am looking at the volume uh, is I, I think it's really important. But another thing to remember is when the volume spikes, that historically does not necessarily mean that is the week of the bottom. For instance, if you look in 2018, you can see the volume spiked on the week of November 19th. But the actual bottom wasn't for another month. Right. If you go back and look at May of 2021, you can see that we we spiked here, but we didn't actually start going back up till a couple months later. So I do think it's a good thing that we're actually seeing that volume come in. If we could see a lot more volume, like look at 2018. I mean, it was it was like a several candles in a row, several weekly candles in a row, all that had a lot of volume. If we saw something like that right. continue. I would be more optimistic about it being some type of major market cycle bottom. But just with one spike, uh, I don't necessarily assume that we're going to have a sustained move higher that we're actually going to be able to hold um, despite everything. And, and actually, I, I know you asked that last question, and I don't want to, um, I, I meant to answer it completely because you asked me about the total crypto market cap, and then you asked me about Bitcoin. Look, best case scenario that I can find for Bitcoin, best case, is that this is some type of expanded flat correction. This is not my, this is not what I think is going to happen, by the way. I'll be clear. I don't think this is what's going to play out. But I do think that the best case scenario is that it's an expanded flat correction, uh, which is where you essentially you put in like a, you know, a high, a low, a higher high and a lower low. And we actually have seen this before, you know, I mean, in, in, in the S&P, if you go back to, you know, the year 2000 and 2008, you can see where the S&P had this had a very similar type structure, right? A high, a low, a higher high and then a lower low. And then we finally took off. Right. Um, so that's like the, that's like the one thing you could probably point to right now uh, from like just like a technical perspective to say, all right, well, maybe, you know, maybe this thing could play out. And my argument, right, my argument is that it doesn't matter if it plays out or not. Right. People sh I think people should be heavy Bitcoin regardless. Right. Because I think Bitcoin dominance is going to go up. So if that's what plays out, then then great. Bitcoin's likely going to outperform everything in the short term anyways. So you might as well just be heavy Bitcoin. So the best case scenario, I guess, is that the, the bottom's already in and that it's expanded flat correction. 
The more moderate scenario uh, would be, you know, just saying we're going to capitulate to the 200-week moving average like we always do, right? Like, like it always mm. happens. Uh, time in mm. and time, you know, time and time again, we we go to the 200-week SMA, and then a you know a more bearish scenario, which could you know could certainly play out, especially given the macroeconomic conditions that we're facing and all the regulatory uncertainty that that is coming over the next few months, especially with meltdowns like we saw happen with with Luna. You know, governments are going to be all over that, especially the U.S. government. We know. Um, so with all that, you know, there, there certainly is evidence to suggest we could easily go sub 20k on a on a worst case scenario. So you know, could we go? Could Bitcoin go back to sixteen thousand dollars? I mean, it's possible. Is it going to go? Is, I mean, is it going to go back to five k? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But it, it could go. You know, Bitcoin could go sub twenty k, and and if it does. If it does, I do think that would be the you know the, the 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 a really good buying opportunity for for Bitcoin under under twenty thousand dollars. Ben, what do those levels put us in in terms of the context of previous crypto market cycles? Right. I mean, it it, it feels like uh, you know we were kind of talking about this before the show, but in some ways this has been a somewhat lackluster or disappointing. Uh, bull market in retrospect, right? Like even the $500 billion uh, level for the total market cap uh, as kind of your worst case scenario, that puts us below the peak that we experienced in 2017, 2018. That hasn't happened in previous cycles, has it? Like even though there were huge peaks and troughs, I don't think we ever went below uh, before, did we? We I mean, what's your kind of thought? We have not. Yeah. No. But I I will say this, just because it hasn't happened before, doesn't mean it can't happen. And if you extrapolate, which is dubious, of course, if you compare from say like the first the, the first major peak to the to the next major bottom, it was a 400% difference. But then from the next cycle to the next bottom, it was only like a 150% difference. So while it has never happened before, we have gotten closer both times, right? We've gotten closer both times. So I think this is the cycle where we're gonna test that theory, right? Like I don't know if we're gonna break below 20K, but I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of buying pressure at 20K, you know, and especially like 20, 20 to $22,000, you're talking about the 200 week moving average. I think there's going to be a lot of buying pressure there. What I would like to see, honestly, like to see Bitcoin go sideways for like three months between let's say 25 to 40K, because that'll give time for the macroeconomic um, stuff to, 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 to play out a little bit. I mean, uh, obviously it's got a long way to go, but if it can do something like that, then the dominance will go higher, alt, alt Bitcoin pairs will get washed out. And then, and then you know, you can imagine that as we get later into the year, maybe early next year, maybe you'll see some type of um, uh, final washout, and then we can we can actually start moving higher. But look, I mean, it's never happened before. You're right, but it has gotten closer each time. And with regards to something called you know something like diminishing returns, you expect it, right? Um, here's a good chart. This is a one year running ROI of Bitcoin. If you look at it, I mean, you know, you can you can draw an imaginary line in your head between these peaks, right? And say, look, every cycle, every mania phase, the running one-year ROI, it goes down. Like we, we don't go to the same levels that we did the prior cycle. This first one was, you know, 150, 200 X in a year. This next one was like 60 X, 60, 70 X in a year. This one was around 20 X in a year. And this one ended up being about 10 X. Maybe the next one will be about a 5x in a year. You know, like one potential path could be um, we, we go sub 20K, we spend a few months sub 20K or something, or maybe just a few weeks, and then we, we ultimately slowly go higher, and then we see a breakout over a year. If it starts at 30K and we go up 5x, that puts you at 150K, 
or something, you know, and, and, and then you'd still you'd still be looking at, at these diminishing returns. And then another way to look at it um, is I, I think that because people don't account for diminishing returns is why they had higher than higher expectations in 2021 than they than they than they probably should have. OK, in 2021. You know, I, I did not really see 100K happening. I personally think the earliest 100K could realistically happen would be 2023. Uh, but given the fact that we're in a bear market right now, I don't know how realistic it is. Then again, in March 2020, we were at 3,800. And then a year later, we were at 64K. So don't, don't discount anything with Bitcoin. I mean, it can, it, can, it can surprise you. But you look at a chart like this, this is the, the, you know, the, the risk levels that I use. And what you notice is that when we were at 64K, back in, you know, back in March and April, this was like, this was a major top, right? Like this was the mania phase. And, um, and I, I thought that we needed to go down. Like I, I thought that the summer we needed to see a drop and then we would ultimately trend higher. And, and that did play out. And I was, I was hoping that we would see another leg. That was my hope. But I mean, it, it's, it's fairly clear to me and it has been over the last few months. So that's not playing out. Uh, we are, we are going into a, a more major market cycle bottom. And you can kind of see it. I mean, you can see the blue dots are starting to form, right? And, and normally once they start to form, uh, it's just a matter of time before you, you know, you get that major market cycle bottom. So I think what the, I think the issue is that people had this like 100K in their mind and they were not going to sell until at least $100,000. But when you account for diminishing returns, once Bitcoin went to the, the, the $50,000, $60,000 level, we were already as as manic as we were in 2017 if you account for diminishing returns and basically the idea that it takes so much more money to move the market cap compared to where it was you know three or four years ago this episode is brought to you by fireblocks i talk to a lot of fast-growing crypto native funds crypto banks exchanges and the like and they all tell me they have the same two problems one their treasury management setup sucks They've got analysts wasting time and money on manual transactions. Two, they are not happy with their current security setup. They're sharing passwords, they're sending test transactions, and they're worried that their funds might be at risk. Fireblocks is a platform that solves all of that for you. They're a one-stop shop portal, which automatically plugs into exchanges, trading venues, etc. They source deep liquidity and solve everything from day-to-day -day crypto transactions all the way down to complex DeFi strategy. And the best thing about Fireblocks is that they offer scalable solutions with industry-leading technology. Doesn't matter if you're a two-person crypto fund or a 2,000-person crypto exchange, these guys have you covered. And the last thing that I'll say about this company is that I have known them for years. They are a high-integrity team. They ship product like no other. I would trust them with my own funds. So click the link at the bottom of this page and tell them that I sent you. Very, very important that you click the link at the bottom here. Otherwise, they're not going to know that I sent you. And then how am I going to get credit? So help a brother out, click the link at the bottom of this episode, tell my sent you. Bear markets bring innovation, right? Like we, we need to, I think what's, what's hopeful for me um, is that at least people have started to look at parts of crypto that were broken, that everyone kind of knew in the bull market were broken, but we didn't really care because the number was going up and like, let's not look at it too hard. And now I think those problems are kind of coming to the fore and people are saying, all right, at least this is broken. Hey, this is broken. Um, and I, I think there'll be new innovations to fix that, but it feels like even we're still maybe a little ways off from that. I don't know what your perception yeah, is. Yeah, no, I mean, too. for sure. I mean, you said it yourself. Bull markets are 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 where people chase trends. And, you know, bear markets yeah. are where the actual things are built that provide real value. 
So the people that want to take advantage of the next bull market the most are probably the people that are building right now, like building stuff, building products, building things that people can use. You actually have to provide the value. And then what will likely happen is when the bull market comes, there will be people that copy those people that built in the bear market. They'll copy them because they'll chase the trend. But it's the people that built on the bear market that will stand to gain the most rather than the people that just chase the trend later on, right? And that goes not only for building, but also just for investors too. Like, you know, even if you don't want to build, yeah. if you're just an investor, if you stick around for the bear market and you see it through, you understand how the entire cycle works where, you know, alts bleed against Bitcoin for a while, Bitcoin rallies and alts rally, and, and, and the new class, the new crypto class doesn't want anything to do with Bitcoin until they watch their altcoins go down 95%, you know, and then they start to, start to second guess themselves. Look, we've seen this yeah. thing play out so many times, right? So many times. And for me, you know, one of the things that I, I constantly ask myself is, and, and you said this too, is like, well, when, right? When is it going to be over, right? When does it, when do we reach that phase? Because one of the best times in crypto for me is after the bear market, but before like the bull market. So after the bear market's over, at least we think it's over, right? When we think it's over, we never really know, right? But once you think the bear market's over, and we're sort of just going sideways for months and months and months, but slowly trending higher. That's like the best time in crypto because the only people that are here are the, are the people that actually believe in it long term. And, and you slowly watch your portfolio go higher. And then once it goes into a bubble, it's, it's really stressful because then you have to sell all the projects that you really, really like. So there's, you know, you, you feel very conflicted about it. Um, but it's like this cycle just goes on and on and on. And, and in terms of timing, you know, everyone wants to know when it's going to happen. I personally think that that crypto really is just a bunch of like uh, if then statements, right? It's like so if this, then that, right? Like if this, then that. And one of the things I've I've been I've been working on recently is this like this on chain thing, like a, a, a metric to incorporate a lot of on chain a lot of on chain indicators. And what I notice is every time the cycle bottom was in, it was when this aggregated risk level went to the lowest wristband, like between zero and 0.1. Right. And we're currently at 0.282. So I personally think we need a little bit more time to, uh, you know, to work this out. And so I, I kind of I'm kind of in the camp of I don't really know when it's going to happen. But whenever it does happen, I will be I will be reallocating a lot of a lot of capital to, to crypto. Yeah, it's funny um, when so I joined crypto in 2017 and, uh, you know, I would talk to these basically for my whole first two years. Right. I just watch everything go down only <laughs> and people leave and get disillusioned. And uh, I would talk to some of these OGs and they would, they would say this thing, which was, man, I just I'm so glad we're in a bear market. Like I just so and I would always think to myself, that's bullshit. I don't believe you for a second. There's no way you're watching your personal net worth, you know, get halved at least. And you're happy about it. And now. I actually get it. <laughs> I completely get it because I've been watching this all happen and the emotion that I've actually felt uh, most primarily is relief. And maybe there are some folks in the audience who are like, I, I don't believe you. I didn't believe I didn't believe it either when I first heard it. But yeah, that speculation and that velocity and that this uh, constant perception of opportunity cost. And I think there's just a fundamental, you know, if you're looking at things and when you start to see something detached from reality and it just stays there for such a long period of time, for me, that causes anxiety. I, I don't know if it's the same yeah. way because I'm like, this isn't, real. Uh, and I think you can only lie to yourself so effectively. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, because, you know, there, there's all sorts of great projects in crypto and I want to invest in them, but I don't want to pay, 
50 times what I think they're worth, you know? Right. Um, yeah. so, so, so bear right. markets have a way of allowing you to, to really invest in these projects that you will, you do think will really be really great, but at a, at a fraction of the price. And that's why a lot of people like bear markets. And also I think they like it too, because, you know, if you recognize you're in a bear market and you start saving up cash and you, and you're Bitcoin heavy, you know, if you're doing those two main things, Bitcoin heavy and, and, and saving up cash, I mean, you basically just watch the Bitcoin do dominance go higher and you watch all USD valuations go lower. So then it's almost sort of like it's like a reverse feeling of euphoria, right? Like it's it's not you're not euphoric <laughs> because the, the prices are going higher and you can sell. You're, you're almost euphoric because you, you have all this you, you've been saving for a while and you want to you want to, you know, to reallocate to those projects. So, you know, we've kind of uh, indirectly referenced this a little bit, but I want to get your your thoughts on just um kind of sort of macro, uh, you know, bigger picture factors. So I've seen you do some videos and kind of relate uh, the dollar or DXY, that index to uh, to Bitcoin. Uh, you mentioned NASDAQ a couple of times here. And broadly speaking, the narrative, uh, you know, this time around is that the macro scene looks pretty brutal out there. I don't really think that's a controversial thing to say anymore, right? Uh, NASDAQ has gotten slaughtered, you know, stocks have gotten slaughtered, uh, real estate looks like it's about to capitulate, all this, all this different stuff. Um, and the correlation between the Nasdaq and crypto has frankly never been higher, right? So it feels like we've got this enormous macro overhang to kind of deal with. What are your thoughts uh, specifically just about the macro in general? How much is that impacting what's going on in crypto? Uh, and, and then specifically, there are, are there any indicators that you kind of zone into and pay attention to there? Yeah, I, I think for sure. Um, uh, the macro is playing a huge role. Uh, don't fight the Fed is is something that I, I do think people should should really, really think about. And up until December, I didn't really focus a lot on the on the macro side of things. That's something I've been trying to work harder to do, um, especially as as you know when 2022 started and we saw equities really start to, to take a turn for the worst. Um, I do think it, it it makes a huge difference. And and with the Fed especially rolling over their balance sheet, I mean you know this is all happening relatively soon and likely going to keep raising interest rates, 50 basis points this month or sorry next month, probably 50 basis points again the following mm -hmm. month. Maybe they'll cut it down to 25 basis points after that for a while. But I mean, this thing might go on until the middle of next year before they before they start to to get a little less hawkish in the sense of like you know stopping raising the interest rates. And so, with that in mind, you know, with the idea that the Fed is going to remain hawkish and and not um, just you know keep the money printers uh, churning day in and day out. I, I mean, I, I think that that affects risk on assets, right? Like that affects risk on assets. And furthermore. Anytime inflation has spiked in the past, at least I think I was looking at, at four of the major times that it spiked, three of those times, every single spike, whatever years it was spiking, equities did awful, right? Equities were awful during those years. And they only start equities then when, when inflation peaked, once, once inflation peaked, that was when equities started to do well again. So people went back into risk on assets like equities. And look, I mean, we're all still learning about crypto. And I know a lot of people would like to think Bitcoin is risk off. Maybe one day it will be, but that's just simply not the case today. I mean, as, as it stands today, it's, a, it's very much a risk on asset, whether we like it or not. Doesn't mean it won't eventually become risk off, but right now it is very much risk on. And I, I have to look at this and say, you know, given the macro outlook right now, um, given the uncertainty with everything going on, with equities crashing, and as you said, I mean, maybe the housing market's going to crash at some point or, or at least have a, a nice correction. I think the reason it hasn't yet is because there's very little supply, even though the mortgages or even though interest rates are higher. Um, it, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of pressure on on risk on assets, and um, 
And one way I, I, I think to look at you asked for indicators, one way to one way that I, I like to look at this is is through the dollar, right? Through the dollar, which has actually pulled back a little bit recently. And yeah. and one thing that I, I can show with the dollar is if you remember that that risk chart that I showed you earlier for Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. Here's an interesting chart. This is the dollar color-coded by the Bitcoin risk, okay? What you notice is that when the dollar is rallying, Bitcoin risk goes lower, right? We're currently in a dollar rally. And you can see the Bitcoin risk as it goes from like, you know, those bright colors to the dark blue colors. As long as the dollar is in this parabolic uptrend, the, the, the Bitcoin risk is likely going to go lower, which means the Bitcoin price is going to, to continue to face pressure. If by some miracle, the dollar has already peaked and, and we start going down, then that's sort of like your best case scenario for, for Bitcoin being like that expanded flat correction where 25K is the bottom, right? Like that's like the best case scenario um, where, you know, where, where the dollar has already peaked out and, and, and Bitcoin's going to go down or Bitcoin's going to go up um, because of it. But one interesting thing that I was actually looking at with regards to the dollar um, is, is this. Look at this. Every time, so when the dollar peaks, the dollar peaked in December of 2016. Bitcoin peaked one year later, right? So Bitcoin peaked one year after the dollar peaked. And then you go to 2020, right? The dollar peaked in March of 2020. And then Bitcoin peaked about one year later in, in March and April of 2021, if you buy that that was actually the major peak. So I, I think, you know, one of the indicators to watch is when is the dollar going to roll over and start heading back down? Because once that happens, you know, we might assume that the next Bitcoin peak will be potentially one year after wherever the dollar peaks. And, and so the, the best case scenario, I suppose, is that uh, the dollar has already topped out here and, and it's going to come back down. But I, I do want people to, you know, to, to at least leave room for the possibility that the dollar will potentially rally much higher. And then eventually this move might, might be the next Bitcoin bull market when it, when it finally starts to come back down. You know, one thing that I'd love to get your opinion on is if you if you kind of listen to the prevailing narrative right now, right, you think it, crypto is just it's the tail that's being wagged by the dog or, or what it's completely dependent on what's going on out in this macro universe. Right. right. Historically, we know one of the, the best models to look at crypto through is to look at Bitcoin happenings. Right. And to look at you, you kind of had these very predictable four year boom bust cycles. We thought they were over. Looks like they're not over, uh, but they were anchored around the happening. Right. Now we've had ETH become a more important, more more important part of crypto, not just by market cap alone, but also by kind of like the mental uh, market share that it occupies. And we're obviously going into the merge. Right. So my question to you is, you know, how much are we relying on a turnaround here from the from this bear to bull market on kind of these these outside macro factors and you know, or could it be an internal catalyst that comes from crypto? Maybe it's some innovation. Maybe it's the ETH merge. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to get like. What, what, what would you be looking for in terms of market catalyst? Maybe if we could comment on the merge, if you have any opinions there. As far as the merge, I mean, you know, going from proof of work to proof of stake, it's a big step for Ethereum. I've been waiting for this forever. And again, in, in 2016, or let's say in 2017, um, people were already talking a lot about the merge. I, I would not have believed you if you had told me we'd be sitting in 2022 and we still would not have made the transition to proof of stake. I would not have believed you. And yet here we are, right? Here we are. It's 2022. So... Perhaps the merge will eventually lead to another bull market. I think in the short term, the main risk is that it introduces uncertainty in itself. Okay. So, you know, Ethereum's been around since um, 2015. And um, over the last seven years, 
it's been you know it's been working really well uh, you know without proof of stake right proof of work it's been working really really well and and it's gone up a lot but my main concern in the short term is that we are introducing uncertainty into the second largest cryptocurrency during a Bitcoin bear market and during a risk off time okay so that is my main concern. I am bullish on Ethereum. I mean, I, I am. I, I do think it's, um, uh, when I say bullish, I don't mean I don't mean over the next like few months. I, I mean like, you know, the next bull run. I, I think Ethereum's valuation against Bitcoin will go even higher than it did during this cycle. So I am bullish on ETH. I do think it will do well. And I think it's leaps and bounds further ahead than any other layer one out there. Leaps and bounds further ahead than any other layer one. Um, so I, I, am, I am fairly optimistic on, on Ethereum. Uh, however, the, the thing to, to consider with regards to Ethereum, unfortunately, is that a lot of times, if you, you know, in addition to the merge, which by the way, you know, it will introduce uncertainty. And by the way, what if there's hiccups, right? What if they make the transition and it doesn't go according to plan? Think about how much fear that could invoke in people, especially during a bear market, right? Especially during a bear market. So what I look at with regards to Ethereum and I, I, I hate being a, I hate being a bear on the Ether Bitcoin valuation because I, I love Ether. I really do. But I also know that it's very cyclical against Bitcoin. Every major downturn in the Ethereum Bitcoin valuation, all of them, they all occur around the summer. OK, so this was the summer of 2015 until the end of the year. This was here the summer of 2016 until the end of the year. Again, you just keep going, right? Every single time, the major downturn in the Ether Bitcoin pair is the second half of the year, every single year, except for, here it started in August, so it started a little bit later. The main exception to this rule was last year, right? It was last year. It was 2021, Ether outperformed, or I don't know if I want to say outperformed. I mean, it, it, it may be slightly outperformed, but you can see that it's basically just been sideways um, since May of 2021. But Bitcoin also put in a double top, which it's never done before. So there were a lot of firsts, right? There were a lot of firsts this cycle uh, that we had never actually seen before. So unfortunately, I think the path of least resistance for the Ethereum valuation against Bitcoin in over the next six months, I think it's more likely to be down, unfortunately. I say that because I think there's just going to be a lot of uncertainty with things uh, related to the merge and, and that because we're in a Bitcoin bear market, it's going to be very difficult for a lot of other cryptocurrencies to show strength until Bitcoin does. So I think what is likely to play out is the Ethereum Bitcoin valuation will go down. One interesting thing, by the way, if you look at this chart, everyone should be very familiar with how this chart looks, right? Everyone at this point. I mean, we, we've seen this chart. We've seen it with Bitcoin in, in early 2021, right? It looks like Wyckoff distribution, right? I mean, it's the, it's the same exact chart that, that played out for Bitcoin in, in early 2021. And I mean, on a, on a relatively shorter time frame, but it, it played out nevertheless, this, the, same, the same type of move. Um, and so, and you can also, by the way, you can also see the confluence on the Bitcoin dominance. It's just reversed, right? I mean, you can see if you if you go over here and look, it looks like it looks like that distribution phase. And a better way to view it is to just take one minus the Bitcoin dominance. Okay, look at one minus the Bitcoin dominance. And and if you look at if you look at one minus the Bitcoin dominance, which is the altcoin dominance, right? It's just the altcoin dominance. It, it just looks the same, right? I mean, it, it looks like it's it, it it's it's gearing up for a move back down this way. And then furthermore, you go look at the again the the Bitcoin market cap divided by the Ether market cap. 
And I have to look at this and say, well, I mean, it seems to me like the more likely direction is for this to go up, meaning the Bitcoin valuation is likely going to outperform the Ethereum valuation. So to bring it all together, what I think is likely going to happen is I think the bear market's going to continue for a while. It doesn't mean we can't pump to 40K. I, I will say that time and ten, you know, we did in 2018, you know, we, we pumped back up to 200 day. So I think the bear market's going to continue for a little while longer. I think during that phase, the Bitcoin dominance is going to go much higher. And because of that, I think all Bitcoin valuations are going to bleed. And that will that will go on until Bitcoin convincingly finds a bottom. We can see, I mean, there's a lot of bottom indicators that you can look at. I mean, you know, there's I have about I have so many that I watch. Uh, one of the one of the really one of the ones I really like, by the way, is this one. I mean, it tells the story. Look at this chart. I mean, <laughs> look at the chart. It's the supply of profit and Bitcoin percentage of supply and profit and loss. And, mm. and maybe look at something like the 50-day moving average of it, right? And you can see where we currently are. So I look at this and I say, look, Bitcoin's in a bear market. Yes, I'm excited about the merge from like a, a fundamental perspective. I'm excited about it. From a price perspective, do I think Ether is going to outperform Bitcoin in a bear market when, when the macro environment looks awful? Unfortunately, no. So I do think Ethereum is going to bleed against Bitcoin. Uh, but after we, after, you know, after we find a cycle bottom and Bitcoin starts to show strength again, then, then Ethereum will likely recover and, and probably come back even stronger during the next bull market. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously predicting this stuff is always is tough. Uh, there's a bunch of different factors at play. But, you know, if I could, you know, in my I, I am so much less analytical, you know, than you think about this stuff. It, it still feels like, I guess, to summarize, it still feels like we have a way to go. This is not, I don't think, an existential threat. I think we're seeing, you know, the previous cycle that we've seen play out in crypto, you know, continue and, and is probably playing out again, albeit in somewhat like of a muted fashion, depending on how you're looking at it. But um, what, Ben, what would you give uh, just maybe closing thoughts here, uh, advice to someone who uh, is experiencing a bear market? Maybe you're a trader, maybe you're moved into crypto recently. Like, how do you deal with this kind of mentally? What, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing you can do is just listen to stories from people who who've experienced it before because they're not really trying to lead you astray. They're just trying to save you from the same pain, from the pain that they felt in the past. And, and what I can say is my biggest mistake by far in, in Bitcoin bear markets was just throwing all my money into altcoins. By far my biggest mistake. So, and I, I've been saying this for months on my channel, right? Like if, if you can, you, you know, it's really when you, when you agree that we're in a bear market, it's not a bad thing, in my opinion, as long as you, as long as you adjust your strategy accordingly, right? I mean, it's all about just understanding where we are, not forcing something that isn't there. So if you understand where we are, you can adjust your strategy to, to, to compensate for it, right? And, and whether that means like being heavy Bitcoin, whether it means making sure you have cash in hand to, 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 to buy in case we go lower, um, I, I think that's the, the, the best thing you can do. And, and at the end of the day, no one knows what's going to happen. I mean, absolutely no one. I've been in this market long enough um, to know that. And I've gotten plenty of things wrong myself. There's easily some of the stuff I said in this video could, could not play out. Um, and I, I've been wrong plenty of times in the past. And I, I do want you to know, though, during a Bitcoin bear market, no matter how low it goes, there will always be someone calling it for it to go lower. Always. So in the same way that that greed keeps us from selling at tops, it can keep us from buying at bottoms, right? It can because you get greedy. You want to buy it at a lower price because if you've been saving cash and you and you just kind of get on the euphoric bear market bandwagon, like, oh, it's just going to go lower next week. Eventually, the bottom will come and go and, and you might get left behind. So the best strategy that I think is to 
come up with a plan or come up with where you think we are, okay? And if you think we're relatively close to the bottom time-wise, then you know, you can just start DCAing, right? Like you can you can buy a little bit here and there because no one knows where the bottom's going to be. In 2018, when it bottomed at 3100, a lot of people were calling for it to go to $1,000. Even in March of 2020, a lot of people were calling it for it to go back to $1,000. And it never did, right? It never did. So no matter how low we go, there's always going to be someone to call for it to go lower. One thing to remember with regards to diminishing returns, just remember this, is because of diminishing returns, we also tend to see diminishing losses, okay? So every bear market so far has gotten a little bit less painful for Bitcoin. Like the first one was a 94% drop. The second one was an 86% drop. The third one was an 84% drop. So they've been getting a little less painful each time. So if you're waiting for a 90% drop just because that's what happened once upon a time, just know that the, the bottom could come and go and leave you in the dust. So greed works in both directions. So remember that. The best thing you can do is just come up with some type of, of, of DCA strategy to get close to the bottom and uh, and then just be patient. And, and just remember, look, altcoins are where you can make a lot of money if the market is healthy and you can lose a lot of money in, in a bear market. So again, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you what you should or should not do, but the dominance I think for Bitcoin needs to go a lot higher before, before altcoins look more attractive. And the biggest, thing, the, the, the biggest thing that you can get pulled into during a bear market are these short-term pumps because there's so many of them. And, and I've seen so many people, what they do is they sell here and they buy here and then they sell here and they buy here. Right, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you can't do that, right? And there's people doing it this cycle too, right? Like they sell here, they buy here, um, and and it just keeps going on and on, and and then there's probably some people that recently sold right there, and if we get a pump back up to say like the mid to upper 30s or maybe even 40k or something, which would be following the fractal from 2018, if that happens, rest assured there's going to be people that are probably going to FOMO in back up there, and we could come straight back down. So. Just remember, you know, come up with a strategy, like a, a macro strategy for how you want to tackle accumulating Bitcoin for the next bull market and just treat this like a, a multi-year plan. Like, hey, you have this amount of money you want to put in the market, you want to put in over a certain time frame, and, and this is gonna this is how you're gonna do it. And then stick stick with it no matter what, be patient, and then eventually we'll see a bull market again. But try not to lose all your money. Uh, you know, just YOLOing into altcoins every single week. Because if you go look at almost every single altcoin Bitcoin pair, they're all in a downtrend. Yeah, I think that's such an important point about, you know, greed and fear kind of working the same way. At, le at least for me, I now kind of know to, uh, you know, when you start hearing these Bitcoin going to 500,000, 600, the price predictions are thinking, okay, uh, you know, maybe pump the brakes there or like start thinking about if this feels like a local market top. The one that's harder for me just because of how my brain is wired is when you get the uh, X is going to zero dollars, right? There's always someone for ca calling for it lower. It's not like the narrative, you know, stops at the bottom and says, this is probably the bottom. Nobody thinks it's the bottom. Everyone's got it precipitously going lower. So that's a tricky one uh, to fall into. Think about how many people get the top exactly right. So how many people are going to get to the bottom exactly right? Ben, you've already been super generous with your time. You put out so much great content on Twitter, on your YouTube channel. Um, guys, I highly recommend if you haven't been following Ben's content too, but Ben, what's the best way for folks uh, who aren't following you to, to go check out some of your work? Yeah, I mean, just follow me on YouTube. Uh, you can just search my name, Benjamin Cowan. Um, and on Twitter, it's into Cryptoverse. It's not into the Cryptoverse because it's too many characters. Uh, so it's just into Cryptoverse. It's probably the, the best mm -hmm. way that you can follow me. I, I put a lot more effort into the YouTube 
uh, into the YouTube videos and I do on Twitter. Um, but that's probably, that's probably the best way you can follow me is just, uh, going, you know, going to, to my YouTube channel, going to my, um, to my Twitter account and, and, and kind of seeing, I mean, I, I post up on a daily basis. I am very repetitive. I will warn you, but I, I think repetition is key and, and remembering that strategies don't change day in and day out. Yeah. Uh, guys, huge plus one on that. I highly recommend you go follow Ben on Twitter uh, and check out his stuff on YouTube. Uh, Ben, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I'll have to get you back back on the show again soon. Thanks for having me.